So which ministries are essential? Uh, for some of us, that was a really hard video to read. The theme of it was uh, poverty and homelessness in America. And I, I found it really difficult finding this was the least kind of politically charged uh, video that I could find just to introduce the theme. I, I kind of I shopped around and I just I just I just it was kind of again one of these eye-opening. Good gracious, we can't even talk about poverty in America without these highly opinionated politics. So I want to I want to come I want to bring to you some questions before we launch into where we are in the story of Acts because the message is not about poverty the message is about the story of Acts and what we can learn from our founding fathers about our faith so i want I, this is this is the question does the faith of our fathers which we're discovering in the story of the Acts of the Apostles, have anything to say about caring for the poor and hungry then, like then in the first century, as the, the church is in its inception in Jerusalem, in the story of Acts, did the, did the apostles, did the early church, did they do anything about poverty and the hungry and is there anything that carries over to, like, can we learn anything from that? Now, I ask that first, and then the next question is, you know, can we, can we seek an answer to that question without any, you know, endless debate about the role of government, failed governmental policies, and highly opinionated positions of political parties? You see, as somebody that stands in front of you and other people and talks about the Bible and life today, I am finding it's, it's like becoming increasingly difficult to convince you or anyone else that's listening, I'm not about politics. This is not a topic about politics. This is a topic about faith. This is a topic about our faith. This is about discovering principles of life. Now, it is true, if, if we discover that our faith has certain principles, then we, we, that becomes principles that we, that we want to influence government and politics with our faith, not the other way around. Faith informs government and politics. Politics do not inform faith. And I, and, I, and I really, I have this increasing burden because I, I, I truly stand before you and bring these topics as somebody that is a... I'm not doing this with a political motivation. I, I, there's not politics in this. Now, Am I, do I participate in our political? Yes. I think that's something that I need to do as a citizen. Do I have opinions and devotions? Sure. But my faith informs that. It's not the other way around. And I, and I do, I just, I'm increasingly concerned about the number of Christian people, good Bible-believing Christian people, that I'm hearing it more and more and more. Politics is informing their faith. And I think that is a disastrous path to go down. So as we talk about this, 
we're talking about discovering our faith. And does our faith have anything to say to us about the care of the poor? That's where we're going. Okay? Can we, can we do that? All right, good. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Please look it up in your Bible if you wish, or you can follow along as I read up here. During this time, as the disciples were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds, hard feelings developed among the Greek-speaking believers, Hellenists, and the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the daily food lines. So the twelve called a meeting of the disciples. They said, it wouldn't be right for us to abandon our responsibilities for preaching and teaching the word of God to help with the care of the poor. So friends, choose... Seven men from among you, whom everyone trusts, men full of the Holy Spirit and good sense, wisdom, and we'll assign them this task. What task? The care of the poor. Meanwhile, we'll stick to our assigned tasks of prayer and speaking God's word. During this time, just to remind you, where are we in this story of Acts? Well, this This is kind of the the hands-off time. Remember last week we talked about the wisdom of Gamaliel, this older priest who said to the Sanhedrin, hey, you know, hands off these guys. Uh, this This is another messianic movement. We've seen them come. We've seen them go. I just suggest hands off. Uh, let, let it kind of run its course. It's going to die out. And the Sanhedrin said, well, okay, that seems good to us. And during this time, there, there's, just this, there's been this kind of tension that increases between the church and its inception, the apostles and the Sadducees. Because the church, the church, I mean, everybody's a Jew. Everybody's a Jew that's following Jesus. And the only place big enough in Jerusalem for them to gather is the temple. And so they're now gathering at the temple and, but they're not, they're not doing sacrifice anymore. They're, they're, they're praising Jesus. And it's a lot of people. And so that tension grows. It's a, it's, all, it, it's a time of persecution too. I mean, these apostles have been arrested. They've been whipped, severely whipped. And they um, have been told, don't, don't proclaim Jesus anymore. Stop it. Don't do that. But in all of that, it's a, it's a time of tremendous increase. I mean, the number of people that are... Again, everybody's a Jew. Everybody's following Jesus now. They're Jews following Jesus. And it goes from 120 to 3,120. Then it goes to 5,000. Then it goes to 8,000. And by this point, I don't even know where we are. But it's growing by thousands of people. So like, and Jerusalem is not that big a city. I mean, so there, this, I mean, this is like, wow, this is noticeable growth. And in that, you've got Greek-speaking people and you've got Hebrew-speaking people. Now, there's a couple of explanations, just maybe just guesses. Remember, we're still close to a pilgrimage in Judaism called Pentecost. 
And so Jews from around the Mediterranean, going through Turkey and up, they would go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem across North Africa. Jews would they'd make this pilgrimage for three times, three festivals, one of them being Pentecost. And so if you go up like the coast of the Mediterranean north and you get through Israel and you go to Lebanon and a little bit of Syria, when you start getting into Turkey, you're, you're transitioning out of Semitic language into Greek language. And so the people across the Jews coming from Turkey, their, their primary language is Greek, not Hebrew or Aramaic. And if you go the other way, South Egypt, crossing the North Africa, again, you're getting into more Greek-speaking people. So those people have come on pilgrimage for Pentecost, and some of them have met Jesus. So that's why I have Greek-speaking. That's why I have Hebrew-speaking, this combination. Also, there's the possibility that Ma and Pa who were Jews in dispersia. They've, they've left Israel at one of the dispersions, and they're living, and they said, you know, it really would be good if as we age and as we pass, it would be good if we were close to Jerusalem. And so maybe these older couples were moving back to Jerusalem, and the husbands died first, was typical, and now we've got widows. And so widows, find, they, they can find refuge at the temple. Remember, Anna was a, a widow that was at the temple with Jesus and did the prophecy with Jesus? Well, she found refuge at the temple. She could stay at the temple. She, they were not fed at the temple. They'd have, to, they'd have to beg like others around the temple, but they just trusted that those that came to the temple would be generous and they could survive that way. And then they'd spend their time in prayer. So there could have been a, a sizable group of widows hanging around the temple. Now, who else was hanging around the temple? I just think this is kind of cool. You see, what happened is that as the church meets at the temple, they begin to encounter the people that were hanging around the temple, like the lame man who's now healed. He's now in the mix. It was probably happening with widows as well. And so these widows got caught up with this young church that was gathering at the temple. And, and they're Greek speakers and they're, they're Hebrew speakers. And, and as the church begins this daily practice, one of the things they did is they started a daily meal program. And it wasn't just for widows. I want to remind you what we've discovered so far in, in the story of Acts. From Acts 2 and Acts 4, all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed the daily discipline of worship in the temple followed by meals at home. And every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus. And grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. So in that, as I, as I just kind of dream about, oh, wow, they were, they were gathering at the temple daily. Probably at the temple were widows. Those widows were invited to come along and follow Jesus with them. And then when they decided, hey, you know, we're going to divide up now. I don't know how they did that. How do you get 10,000 people to know what home they're going to for a meal? I don't know how they did it. 
But, but I, I just picture them saying to a wit, hey, why don't you come home with us? We're having a meal. Why don't you come join us? I, I just see these people being inviting to the widows that were in need. And then it seemed that when, whenever they pooled the resources, they, people sold their houses, sold their property, they brought the resources, they put it at the apostles' feet, said, hey, you guys, you use this money for the community. And it seemed that one of the things the apostles did is they used that money to buy food, and then they distributed it to everyone. So again, you could picture them saying, hey, here's your brown bag widow, Smith, or whatever. You know? And so they're caring on a daily basis they're caring for widows. It's pretty, I mean, it's just, just imagine that going on. And the only bump in the road was that there was some favoritism that was being shown to the Hebrew-speaking or Aramaic-speaking widows. I mean, that's, I mean they're, that's their land. They're in Israel, so that's home base for them. And these foreigners that spoke Greek... They were being neglected in some way. There's no detail about how they were being neglected. It's just there was some sort of neglect going on in the feeding program of the widows. That was the bump in the road. And a complaint was lodged. And so the apostles said, well, we need to get everybody together. So again, you've got 10,000 people. Okay, we, we've got a problem. We need to solve it. And the apostles came across with this principle. They said it's not desirable. This isn't a matter of right or wrong. It's just preference. It's, it's not desirable. And I think the biggest principle that they said, it's, it's not desirable to neglect one over the other. That's the principle. So it's not desirable to neglect the Greek-speaking widow over the Hebrew-speaking widow. Both need good service, not one over the other. And then I think they're also saying, you know, it's not desirable to neglect the service of proclamation and the service of the table, the meal service. Again, they're, they're not weighing things. They're not saying one is more important than the other. They're saying we need to do both. And we don't want to neglect one or the other. We want to do both. And it's, it's, it's not that we have to choose. It's not an either-or situation. We are both and people. Both the Greek speakers and the Hebrew speakers are equally important both the service of proclamation and the service of the meal is important. We want to do both. That's the principle. So this is what I would like to suggest to us. The question was, which ministries are essential? And I'd like to just say, I think they all are. I think that's what this passage teaches us. It teaches us that both the service of the temple and the service of the word are essentials. And that phrase, that's, that, um, that's the literal phrase. Service of the table, service of the word. I think it's telling us that, that both the Greek-speaking widow and the, the Hebrew-speaking widow, they both require equal care. It's not one over the other. There's a, there is equality in the body of Christ. 
I think that they're saying both the service to the believing community, us taking care of each other, as well as service to the unbelieving city, they're, they're both important. It's not, again, it's not an either-or situation. Both and. We're both and. Then I think they're also telling us that both the physical and the spiritual needs require full attention. We can't just take care of the soul and not take care of the body. We do both. Both. That's what's essential. It's not one or the other. It's both and. So when I come down to our community, as I come down to our experience, how, you know, how are we going to live this out? This is, this is what I would suggest. I would suggest that we be a community that says we're going to choose both and every time. And then I just begin to think about, okay, what are the ways we do that? Or how could that work its way out? Well, one is I think we need to be a community that cares for both the physical and the spiritual needs of those within the community and those outside of the community. I don't think we can ever come to the place and say, well, you know, our job is just, just let's just make sure we get people saved. Let's just, let's just make sure people know Jesus. They're starving, but let's just make sure they get to know Jesus. See, again, I don't think the apostles are weighing that. I don't think they're saying, well, it's more important that they, their soul is saved, but they're hungry. I mean, that's less important. I don't think they're saying that. I think they're saying both. We want to do both. And we have a God that enables us to do both. The only thing that's going on in this passage is there's a delegation of the work. The apostles are simply saying, you know... We've been called to this task. We can't do both. So therefore, let's find the other guys that can do that. They'll do that. We'll do this. Yippee! Right? So both and. We're going to do it all. We're going to do both. We're going to take care of physical people, physical needs of people. We're going to serve the tables. And we're going to keep proclaiming the word. I want us to be a community that serves both widows and families. I mean, this, this isn't, a, this isn't a, the message of this isn't, well, go find the widows and take care of the widows. We should take care of the widows. But at the same time, we've got families. So you want to do both, not just one or the other. We want to do both. Now, you may be wondering, where's this coming from? Well, I've watched the church all of my life make either or decisions. I mean, most of what I've known in church life is, well, we can't do it all. So we're going to either do that or we're not going to do that. I mean, there was not all that long ago. It was this huge divide in the church, the social gospel. I mean, if you don't know this, that was like 70 years ago. Some things passed. That's one of those things. And it's true. There were those individuals that just said, we're, all we're going to do, we're going to take care of the physical needs of people. That's it. That's what's most important. Well, is that all that's important? No. As you take care of the physical needs of people, you want them to know about Jesus. You do both and, not one or the other. I mean, it's just that simple. You don't neglect one over the other. You do it all. What about, you know, we live in a community where people speak different languages. Well, why can't we occasionally speak Spanish? See, si. Buenos dias. Como esta? Why can't we do that every once in a while? I mean, why is it so important that we speak English all the time when we have lots of people around us that speak Spanish? 
Why can't we do both? Again, don't put politics on what I'm saying. I represent the kingdom of God. Guess what? Every tongue, every tribe, every nation. You think we're just going to... What are we going to speak in heaven? Portuguese? I mean, what? What do you think? Full of language. As, as kingdom people. It's great to learn little bits of language from other people. And we have Spanish speakers in our congregation, our community. So it'd be great if every once in a while we, we learned how to sing a chorus of one of our songs in Spanish, wouldn't it? See, si. <laughs> I mean, we could, we'll all massacre it. Most of us are doing but that's okay. It's fun. So don't, don't we want both and? Both and, it's both and. It's not one or the other. We want to be a community that serves one another well. We, we want to take care of each other well, but not to the exclusion of taking care of people in our cities. I mean, one of my greatest griefs in the years that I've lived in New Braunfels is that we had a huge flood, 4,000 homes destroyed in 1998. Almost every evangelical church, that would be every church in our community that says, you know, we really want people to know Jesus. We want people to experience the forgiveness of the cross. We want people to know the power of the resurrection. Every one of them. There was a flood in our community. The message that we, <laughs> we will take care of our own. We, we're going to make a choice. We're going to take care of our own. We'll take care of the evangelical community. But we're not going to cross over and help others. I, I don't know about you, but that just, for me, that just rips the gut out of what we're supposed to be as people that represent Jesus well. Let, let's, let's care for everybody. Let's care for each other well. And then let's go care for others. Let's do both. Let's not choose one or the other, right? I mean, let's not neglect one over the other. We want to be a community that selects leaders as the needs arise. If we need leaders to serve meals, we want to select those leaders, bless them, go to it, take care of those physical needs, serve those meals, yippee! And at the same time, we want leaders that have the task of proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. We want both and. We don't want either or. That seems to be the message that we have that's really unique and really needed in our world. Because we have a God that says, you know... All of this is important to me. And I want to take care of all of this, not just one over the other. And there's not a priority. As I thought about that, I've taught this passage before. You know, I thought, and I realized as I was, I thought, you know, I've, I've only, 
I've I've only emphasized the role of the apostles in prayer and teaching the word. And I, I was making a choice. I was valuing that over the service of the table. Wake up. Wake up. The ministry of the table and the ministry of the word are both essential. They both express the message of the kingdom. We want to be a kingdom, community, that does ministry in the way that our forefathers did it. So could we stand together and could we pray together? If you would just take a moment and and just in your own mind and in your own life, just think about what seems to be the principle that's coming from this account from Acts. It's not desirable to neglect one for the other. So just take a moment. Just think about that principle. It's really possible for each of us to be neglecting some things that are really important. And I don't think that the Holy Spirit wants to like slam us in the head, and, but, it, but maybe he wants to bring some illumination. And maybe we've bought into this system of it's either or and that we've had to make choices and that can't be both and. So could we just, let's just wait a minute and just... Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate us. Uh, conviction could be part of that correction. And uh, again, it's, I think it's, it's personal things in our own lives and our involvement in churches and ministries and this and that. So Holy Spirit, I do ask you to come. I do ask you to bring correction to our life. As we look at the community that is starting in, in history and this, this reading of Acts, we, we discover a community that's saying, we want to do it all. We want to do both and. But even as I've said, Lord, before, you know, I've, I've made a confession. I've, I've taught this passage from a kind of either-or perspective. And I've made, at times, I've made the proclamation of the word more important than the service of the table. So I want to thank you that you just brought that illumination to me, that conviction, that correction to me. So I just invite you, you know, just come and, and, and speak to all of us. We want to be a community that does ministry well, that does service well, that is, that is service that pleases you, not just what we think is good.
Holy Spirit, I'd, I'd ask you to empower us as a community when these opportunities for additional ministry service come along, I ask that you would empower us this morning to choose both and every time. And that we as a community would lean into you for wisdom, uh, for the selection of additional leaders, uh, for how to handle different ministries that we might want to try to take care of when it just seems we don't do a good job with what we have. But Lord, empower us to say, yes, we want to be a both-and community. We want to say, no, no more. No more either or. It's both-and. Empower us to do that, Lord. And finally, Lord, I, I just pray that as we, we make these decisions, as we invite this correction of us, I, I, I do pray for what we do in ministry for one another, that, Lord, that would be balanced with ministry towards those that are outside of faith, that we'd serve our cities well, the people of our neighborhood, that, Lord, we would be this good message, this message of your kingdom. Last thing is, if you, as we've kind of walked through these prayers, if, if you've just had a sense that... Uh, You've neglected some things and you just want to like, you know, I've neglected that for this, but I want to do it all now. And you want to just, just share that. with. So you just want to say, hey, this is the insight that I've had and you just are busting at the seams to talk to somebody about that. I would, I'm going to stand over here in the corner and I'd love to hear your story if just what's going on in your mind and in your heart as uh, we end our time. The rest mix and mingle. Say farewell to each other, and thank you for our morning together. Amen.